Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Glad to have you with us. Some of you uh, for the first time or visiting from out of town, some of you with us uh, all the time, some of you visiting us online, we're glad to have you with us as well. Uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thanks. We believe that's true, that the Lord is with us when we gather together to worship him, that he meets us right here in the reality that we live in uh, with all the good, the bad, the ugly, everything else. So uh, let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, we are grateful, grateful for the opportunity to get together, to worship you, to, to sing to you, to pray to you, to listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures, to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. Uh, God, we are grateful that you meet us here. Uh, that we don't have to go looking for you somewhere, that you meet us right in the middle of our mess, right where we are, with, with whatever stresses we might be going through, whatever fears, whatever questions or doubts, uh, with whatever joys, with whatever, whatever celebrations. God, you, you meet us right here in the middle of it. And God, we are grateful because you know, you know how much some of us today are, are desperate for some hope, uh, needing some grace, uh, needing to know that there's some meaning behind this whole thing that we're going through. Uh, and God, we, we are here because uh, we believe that, that you are that meaning, uh, that there's a God who made us and loves us. And so I pray that you would help us to connect with you today, help us to have a real sense of your presence with us, help us to at some point hear you speaking to us, uh, even as we reach out to you. Uh, you are good, God, and we are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, if you're able and interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Good morning. I'm so glad you're with us this morning. What mercy was revealed, what tenderness and peace, my faith was surely sealed until he rescued me. His pardon for my sin, his bounty for my need, from slavery and chains. I am redeemed, and heaven can't contain the glory of the Son. Jesus is the Christ, the saving one. His love has made a way, the grave is overcome. Jesus is the Christ, the saving one. No fear can hold me down, nor darkness steal my joy, for blood has been poured out, the enemy destroyed, death could not hold him down, the cross was not enough to steal away his throne, for he is God, and heaven can contain the glory of the Saving one, 
heaven can't contain the glory of the sun. Jesus is the Christ, the saving one. His love is made away. The grave is overcome. Jesus is the Christ, the Don't deserve it, still. 
coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down coming after me there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear down coming after me there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me
anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. Pray with me, would you? Father, we thank you for your overwhelming, reckless love this morning. Lord, there's nothing that can get in the way of that love. There's, there's no barrier, there's no mountain, Lord, that you can't overcome and surpass on our behalf as you pursue us with your love, Father. I thank you that you pursued us, that even while we were your enemies, Lord, we were your foes. You never gave up on us. You never stopped pursuing us with your love. I thank you, Lord, that nothing is going to change that because it is eternal just as you are. I thank you, Father, for bringing us here this morning, that in your great love you have gathered us together. You've invited us into your presence here this morning, Lord. There's no place I'd rather be than here with you and with these people. Each and every one, Lord, is my family, and I thank you for each one. 
for the celebration we have today as this family gathers in remembrance of the wonderful things that you have done in and through this place, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, and we give you glory. Be with the rest of this service. Be with those of us who do face trouble and calamity this morning. Lord, we, we know that your love has not left just because we face it. But Lord, we also thank you for those places where we have victory, where we have seen you move mightily and miraculously in our lives. Maybe where we've seen you move subtly and quietly also. We thank you. Be with Pastor Rich as he comes today with the word that you've given him for us this morning. May we hear his, this word with not just our ears, but with our hearts also. And may it, it change us. May it dig down deep and take root in our hearts and make a difference in who we are and how we live for you. For all these things, we give you honor and blessing and glory and praise as we pray these things in your name. Amen and amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Go ahead and take a couple of minutes and pass the peace to each other as Pastor Rich comes to bring us announcements in the word. This is good. I'm so glad that you are a church that likes each other, that wants to talk to each other. Uh, you may have been in churches uh, unlike that before. Uh, I'm glad you guys, uh, you guys like to interact. That's a good thing. And I, I don't know how many of you are planning to come back. This is, our, this is our church's birthday. So today our church turns 22 years old. It's hard to believe. It's in uh, September of 2000 that we got this thing started. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we, we started back in the Aberdeen Manor Banquet Hall. And we set up and tore down every Sunday for nine years, <laughs> which sounds like a really long time. Didn't feel long at the time. It was just what we did for church every Sunday. And then, uh, and then we were able to rent that space behind Harley-Davidson. Uh, and we were back there for five years. And then uh, the church board did a search for, like, where are we going to go next? Because we had a five-year lease, and we could re-up that lease. But, you know, rent went up every year. And they said, well, we could, like, buy a building for this price. And sure enough, we did. Bought this place back in uh, and renovated and moved in in 2014. And uh, it's hard to believe now it's been eight years that we've been in this spot. But uh, after the 1030 service, we're going to have a little cookout and uh, party out in the side yard out here. And uh, if you are able to come back, that'll start up around 1145 or so. Uh, any of you who are watching from home, if you're watching live, uh, you still have time. You can make it. If you're watching tonight, Sorry, you missed it. Uh, but uh, so we're gonna have uh, dogs and burgers and a bunch of different side things that people have made and chips and games and and as long as it's not pouring down rain or something, we'll be right out here uh, enjoying that together. So um, if it is raining, we'll have to eat in here, I suppose. But um, anyway, so happy birthday to you! Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday, dear Living Hope! Happy birthday to you! There you go. All right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Happy birthday to the church. We're, we're glad. We're glad to be a part of uh, the ministry that God is doing here in Valparaiso and around the world. Um, because, you know, we're just one small part of God's church, right? There are dozens of churches here locally that are doing work, uh, connecting with all sorts of different people, all of them trying to point people to Jesus just like we are, uh, all of us kind of with our own flavor, our own personality, our own different take on certain issues or different ways of reading the Bible and this or that passage, that kind of thing. Uh, but all doing our best to serve Jesus together, to introduce people to Jesus, uh, to love the community with the love of Jesus. And um, 
So yeah, we're just a small part of what God's doing here, and then, you know, a small part of the much bigger world of, uh, of God's family that's around the world. Oh, oh, I should probably mention what's on the screen. Yeah, um, if you'd like to connect with us, if there's someone we can pray for you or thank God with you, or if you have a question, uh, you can go online to livinghope.info slash connect, fill out that little digital connect card, or those of you in the room, you can just grab one of those little green cards off that table back there and jot your info and whatever question or prayer request or that sort of a thing, and then just drop it in that uh, box back there. Uh, if you're giving to God today, you can drop that in that box as well, and uh, or you can give online. And uh, speaking of giving, um, you can give to the Habitat Fund now. Uh, so if you want to give toward our Habitat build that will be happening, uh, we've got a tentative date of October, I want to say 29th, is a Saturday in October, that's kind of tentatively our first build day. If you want to help frame the building, it's right here in Valparaiso, and uh, we'll have more details about that uh, by next week, hopefully. So right now it's still tentative. They're, they're making sure on their end that, that that will all work. But the last two years, we've helped Habitat build houses uh, for our neighbors in need. And so if you would like to be a part of building this year's house, uh, we would love to have you, uh, have you do that. And so you can give to that when you go online to give. You can just do the, hit the drop down and hit Habitat and give that way. Or if you're giving here in the room, get the envelope, you can just write Habitat on it. And uh, make the check out to the church and just write Habitat on the envelope or in the memo. And that way we'll put it in that fund and we'll drop them one big check later this year. Um, today, um, the topic we're looking at kind of builds off of last week's message a little bit. Uh, starts out with one of the same passages, but addresses a different part of it about who we are as a church and the role that God wants us to play here in the world. Um, you guys know uh, the world is a little bit messed up, right? Um, especially here in the United States, it seems like we're very fractured as a people these days. Right? We've got all kinds of things that divide us, whether it's uh, politics or the way you handle things in school or uh, which sports team you happen to be rooting for. Uh, I see some of you in your, in your jerseys this morning. Uh, I think every Sunday, pretty much, we have somebody in a jersey here uh, getting ready for whatever game it might be. You know, last week it was the, uh, the Svelbars, this week it's the Xylas back there. Um, and I don't know if anybody else brought a, a bags, you know, cornhole set, or if, if our Packers one is going to be the only one out there today. Uh, we'll see if there's a Bears one to go alongside it. But anyhow, you guys know there are all sorts of things that, that divide us. And some of you have experienced that in your own families, as you have family members that you don't speak to anymore. You know, family members that you just cannot get along because of this issue or that perspective or whatever it might be. Um, maybe that was by your choice. Maybe that was by theirs. Um, whole communities that have a hard time hearing each other, it seems like. And we as the church have an opportunity. You can see it at the top of your notes. I put being a bridge as the title for this morning's message. We as a church have an opportunity to be a bridge for people, to help connect people across areas of difference, and, and to help connect people with the God who made them and who loves them. It's this idea that comes out of, uh, out of the Bible in several different places. Uh, we're going to watch a video in just a couple minutes that shows us this is from the very beginning of the Bible right straight through to the end, this idea that we are to be uh, God's, well, the way it phrases it in 1 Peter chapter 2 is that we're a royal priesthood. You see there it says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Last week, we focused more on that, uh, that holy nation idea, that our citizenship is in heaven, that uh, as much as we love our country, and it's a good thing to be patriotic and to love your country, uh, whether you're here in the United States or whatever country you happen to you know, live in or have been born in, all of us here, I think, live in the United States. I don't know who's watching online, but uh, 
It's a good thing to love your country, to love your place, to love your people. That's a good thing. But we as Christians recognize that we've got kind of a higher allegiance, that we're part of this broader, multinational, multi-ethnic, new people, this this holy nation that God is pulling together, people from all over the world, every... uh, Every language, every tribe, every nation, every, every people, all pulled together into this one holy nation. And today we're going to focus on the royal priesthood part of this. But he continues, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He continues, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And then we talked last week about us being kind of foreigners and exiles here, right? We don't always fit in with the culture around us and with what people around us want us to do. Maybe we'd been right there with them for a period of time, right? We were engaged in all the same kind of self-destructive, whatever it might be. Um, the, the Bible says the essence of sin is, is selfishness and just seeking myself, wanting myself to be in charge instead of allowing God to be in charge. And, and that's kind of the, the way our culture works, right? You look out for number one, you do what you want to do, you fight for your rights. And ever since Pete, the Apostle Peter wrote these words a couple thousand years ago, he was telling us we will always be to some extent foreigners and exiles wherever we live. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So there's a way of life for us as followers of Jesus that as we live before our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, our friends, our family members, uh, there's a way that we can live that brings glory to God and helps others to give glory to God. That's what it says, right? That they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That they will be Basically, like, thanking God for the work he's done in your life. I said, boy, thank you, God, that my next-door neighbor, uh, his life was transformed by you. Because, man, I, I love having a neighbor who's a Christian. We want all of our neighbors to say that, right? When somebody new moves in and they find out they're a Christian, we don't want them to say, oh, man, I got a Bible thumper moved in next door. Now I'm gonna, he's going to be on me about my party or he's going to be on me about this. No, he's begging me to go to church with him or something. You know, we don't want that to be the the way people respond, right? When they find out their neighbor's a Christian, when they find out that you are their neighbor and you're a Christian, we want them to be like, oh, oh, good. That's a Christian that moved in next door. These people are are thoughtful. (laughs) These people are kind. These people are going to be patient with me when I mess up. These these people are going to be good. And he encourages us to live such good lives among our neighbors, whether they serve God or not, that they'll see the way we live and glorify God. Just a few verses earlier, Peter says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And he's picking up on something that one of the Old Testament prophets had said there uh, when he's talking about Jesus and this, this cornerstone who was rejected, but, but was the centerpiece kind of, of, of what God was doing in the world. He says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, the, kind of the high priest, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Again, he's picking up on some of this temple and sacrifice language from the Old Testament because they had this place, the temple, where they would go to meet with God. And he's saying, now, today, you know, there is no temple there in Jerusalem anymore. The, the hill where that temple used to stand, there's a mosque there now, right? Um, he says, we are that temple. And even more, we are priests. You know, that God takes up residence in us, and we have a, a role to play in the world that is something like a priest, which is a weird thing to think about, right? 
Uh, there's a great video by the folks at Bible Project that we're going to watch. Is that next in the thing there? Okay, good. Um, the, the folks at Bible, go to BibleProject.com. I meant to put it in your notes so that you wouldn't have to write that down. But if you might want to write down BibleProject.com, um, or you can just go to YouTube and search for Bible Project. They've got a whole series that this is the culminating, it's like six different little videos. It's like four or five minutes long, what we're going to watch today. And uh, uh, there's a whole series of them that walks through the Bible and picks up this theme of this royal priesthood, beginning in the Garden of Eden, going right straight through to the end of the Bible. And so I didn't have time. I kind of thought, oh, maybe I could show the first one and this last one. And I thought, no, no, they're going to get tired of just watching a screen. So we're just going to watch one of them. It's the culminating one, and it's the one that most directly has to do with us. Let's watch. The Bible introduces humanity as God's royal priests, ruling with God in Eden, a place full of life and abundance and God's blessing. But humanity was deceived by evil and then exiled from Eden. And so humans forfeited their calling as the royal priesthood. But God promised that one of their descendants would be an even better priest who will defeat evil and intervene on their behalf to restore the blessings of Eden. This descendant would be a royal priest like Melchizedek that Abraham met in Jerusalem and also like Moses and the priestly figure he saw on Mount Sinai. This descendant will also be like David and the priest king that David called my Lord in Psalm 110. And all of these figures lead us to Jesus, the ultimate royal priest who suffered and died for a failed humanity so that they could be restored to their original calling as royal priests. About a month after the resurrection of Jesus, his disciples see him ascend into the skies. Yeah, this was the fulfillment of Israel's hopes and of the story of Jesus. He was exalted into the heavenly temple of God's presence and installed there as the cosmic royal priest. Now Jesus also told his followers to wait for God's presence to come and guide them into the future. And so during Pentecost, a festival in Jerusalem, God's spirit comes down on them like they're each mini temples who are filled with God's presence. Mini temples? Yeah, just like God took up residence in the tabernacle and later the temple, now God dwells among the followers of Jesus and their bodies are the temple. The apostle Peter, who was there that day, later put it this way. You all are living stones built up as a spiritual house. You all are a royal priesthood. So they are all together God's temple. And they're also the priests, reclaiming that lost calling that God gave humanity to represent him and to rule the world on his behalf. The Spirit is restoring the life and blessing of Eden to the people of Jesus. But these people aren't priests. They're merchants and fishermen, soldiers and slaves, tax collectors and the poor. They work in the world and not in temples. And yet they talked and behaved as if they were priests. They believed Jesus was the cosmic royal priest ruling all of heaven and earth as his temple. And they saw themselves as an extension of Jesus here on earth. That is the body of the Messiah. That's a beautiful image, but what does it actually look like? Well, if you went to the temple in Jerusalem, you would hear the priestly choirs singing poetry that honored God and that told the story of his love. Music was a bridge between heaven and earth. Also, the followers of Jesus started writing and singing new songs about Jesus as part of their priestly calling. Right, priests also surrendered everything over to God through their sacrifices. And so followers of Jesus started giving themselves their time and their money and energy to serve those in need. And they said, these are the sacrifices that bring pleasure to God. 
Priests also intercede on behalf of others through blessings and prayers, advocating for the needs of everyone. Yeah, this is why the Apostle Paul called on the Christians living in Rome to all together offer their bodies as one single living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Yeah, Jesus offered his life in the ultimate act of love. And so they too were to surrender themselves to each other and to those who needed their help. This is the royal priesthood, Jesus style. When people imitate Jesus, the royal priest, they become a new humanity, living in a way that reunites heaven and earth. Exactly. And now you can see how the whole Bible is one unified story about a royal priestly humanity that lost its way. But then how God promised to raise up a priest who would give his life to restore us. And then how the stories of Abraham and Moses and David all point forward to a promised priest king. And how this all led to Jesus, our great high priest, who suffered on our behalf to restore us to our calling. And so this is why, on the final pages of the Bible, there's a vision of a renewed and reunited heaven and earth with humans serving and ruling as God's royal priests forever. Yeah, I really would encourage you to look that up and watch those videos. And uh, this has been God's design from the beginning that we humans would represent him to the world and that we would kind of be this bridge between God and the rest of creation and, and the rest of creation and God. That we, would, we humans would be the ones that, uh, that rule here in his stead. Back in Genesis, you know, he, after he created uh, humanity, man and woman, he says to you know, have dominion, to care for this creation. And uh, <clears throat> we messed that up, right? We, we, we kind of abdicated our role. We thought, you know, instead of wanting to be God's priests, we want to be more like God himself. We want to make our own decisions for how this thing goes. And that took everything off track. But now in Jesus, we get to be restored to that, that role, this idea of being priests. And the idea of being a priest really is this idea of being a, a bridge. Um, you, you might see online, I, was, I, was, I knew I'd heard it before, and I was Googling it again, that there's this word that uh, the Catholic Church uses for their council of priests. It's Pontifex Maximus, and the word Pontifex means a, a bridge builder. Um, and I think the reason they had kind of landed on that language and was in part because of the, the bridging role that a priest-type character plays. Even though we might not, as the video said, like work as priests, you know, I, I guess I kind of do as a pastor of a church, you know, but all of us work as, as priests representing Christ in the places where we live to the people that we encounter. And we have the chance to, to help them, you know, point them toward God. So that's, I put in your notes there, what does a priest do anyway? And I just put two things. Uh, a priest goes to God about people. So there's actual blanks. If you like filling in blanks, you can. But if not, you just have to remember it for later. A priest goes to God about people. And um, Hebrews chapter 5 uh, says, Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God, offers sacrifices for their sins. He's just kind of describing. This is what priests do in the systems that we know, right? People take people's uh, priests, take the offerings that people bring, and they offer them to God. Priests are the ones who intercede for others to God. They, they, they stand in between. They, they take people's requests, and they lift them up to God. They, they talk to God about people. They go to God for people. And the reverse is true. A priest goes to people about God. 
and in Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul says, I've written you because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish world. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God. So this, this idea of going to people and giving them that good news, he's saying this is a priestly duty as well. Priests basically are, are being bridges between God and people. And this is a role that you get to play. Um, I think about the, the divisions that we face here today. And I think about how desperately the world needs some people who will walk into uh, strained situations, walk into situations where people are at odds with each other, people who are willing to go in and say, look, I love you and I love you. And we got to find a way to come together here. You know, uh, People who refuse to, to give in to the... Uh, the manipulation that takes place on the political scene where they try to paint their, their opponents, their political opponents, as the enemy and as just utterly evil. And both sides do this because this is how you win elections, unfortunately, in our country these days. And the world desperately needs people who say, you know what, I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to portray them as, as evil and as awful when I know good people who vote for that party and I know good people who run in, on that platform and I, you know... I'm not, they're not, they're not the devil. You know, they are human beings who care about their neighbors and who just disagree about the best way to go about loving those neighbors, the, the best system that might, that might be effective to, uh, to care for the poor or the needy or whatever it might be. Uh, the world desperately needs a people who are willing to be a bridge, are willing to help People experience connection and reconciliation. That's, we, I mentioned this passage last week from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is the Apostle Paul again, and he was dealing with some serious divisions, all right? He was talking to these churches that were made up of, of people from a Jewish background and people from a Gentile, pagan, Roman background who were trying to find a way to come together around Jesus. And they had some problems that seemed pretty insurmountable. Uh, some of them had to do with like simple stuff, like when you get together for a meal, like we're going to do this afternoon, what do you put on the table? What can you eat and what can't you eat? Because there's all these Jewish folks who grew up saying, look, God expects us not to eat certain foods. He wants us to keep kosher, right? There are all these foods we are not allowed to eat. And the Gentiles come in, you know, with their bacon-wrapped shrimp for the potluck, and, uh, which I don't think anybody brought today. Sorry, <laughs> just saying that sounds so good to me. Uh, they come in with this you know, food that the, their Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ can't eat you know, because they just they can't do that. And sometimes these churches were in communities where the, the way the meat market worked was that pretty much all the meat in town made its way through the, the pagan temples and was offered as a sacrifice, and then would make its way to the market. And so if you went to the market to buy meat, it had probably already been offered to some Roman Greek god along the way. And there were some Christians that said, whoa, wait a minute, I, I used to worship those gods. I used to serve in those temples. I can't eat this meat. It was offered to, like, you know, some kind of demon or some other kind of, it wasn't offered to, you know, the god who loves us and made us and gave his son Jesus for us. And and there are other folks who are like, it meets meat, come on, let's eat. You know, and and how, do, how do they come together? How do they care about each other? Paul's writing to these, to these Christian groups who are divided in ways that, I mean, if you, if you feel like we're divided today, you know, like and there are some churches that gravitate more toward like, the, you know, Republicans like to go to that church or Democrats like to go to that church. And we can probably all name some churches in town that are you know, mostly Democrats or mostly Republicans or whatever. And I am thankful that you are a church that, 
doesn't seem to divide itself up that way. And we've got folks in this church that, that vote for just about every party and no party or third parties or whatever. Um, because you've decided that's not going to divide us. We're going we're gonna to put Christ at the center. And those kinds of differences, those kinds of disagreements, you know, we're learning to talk about those in ways that aren't demonizing and aren't hurtful and are respectful and to listen to each other and learn from each other. And man, your experiences have been so different from my experiences, you know, you might say to someone. And, and so I want to hear what your, what your life is like. I want to hear how you arrived at that position. I want to hear why that's so important to you. And understand that people you know, are coming from someplace different than, than you are, perhaps, that's led them to the views that they hold. And so, so he writes to this church in Corinth, in Corinth uh, the Corinthians, says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. He's like, all those old things that used to divide us, those aren't nearly as important as this new life that we're finding in Christ. We're being made new, new creation. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He's like, there was this exchange that took place. Jesus took our sin and gives us God's righteousness so that we don't have to any longer be defined by our failures and the ways that we have failed to love him or failed to love our neighbors. We don't have to be defined by the things that have been, been done to us or that we have done. We can be defined now by God's love for us and by what he knows that we can be, the people he created us to be. We can actually start to live that out. So I've been, scripture gives us these different images. And so, you know, last week we were kind of looking at that holy nation idea and being Christ's ambassadors, maybe thinking in those terms, like we're, we're, we've got dual citizenship and we're just visiting here from somewhere else. And so we're ambassadors for Christ, representing this, this alternative culture. And today, I guess the image I want to put in your head so that maybe it'll help you this week is that idea of being a bridge, that there that you are a priest, <laughs> not that you're going to put on a collar or you know, wear a funny hat or anything like that, but that you walk into your workplace or your neighborhood or whatever it might be as, as a bridge, as someone who has the opportunity to, to build bridges between God and people and between people and each other. It really, it, it's basically what we've described ourselves as as a church since we started. Uh, we, we put it down, in the, down at the very bottom of the, this thing uh, each and every week, is our church's mission, connecting with God, with each other, and with the world that needs God's love. I mean, this is how we have been thinking of ourselves since we started this church back in 2000, uh, since the time when we were setting up and tearing down every week. It's one of the reasons we do things the way we do, like sitting around tables and having a space that's not super churchy, you know, that kind of a thing. It's because we want to connect with people and help people connect with God. And we want people to connect with each other. Now, I know that sometimes you sit at a table and you're like, or let's put it the other way. You sit at a table because you got there first, and then you walk in, you're like, oh, that table's taken. There's, there's just one person sitting at that table, all right? You could walk up to them and say, can I sit with you? And they'd probably say, sure. 
And you might get to know somebody that you didn't know before, right? Instead of just like, you know, you sit at your table and you sit at your table and that kind of thing. So some of you guys do this well. Some of you today are sitting with people you haven't sat with before. You're getting to know somebody. Uh, that's one of the things I love is that, uh, and I've seen some of you taking pictures before, and I'm like, I, I recognize like, oh, they're at church. They're taking a picture of themselves and like these five people sitting at their table. And it wasn't in the middle of a service. It was them hanging out beforehand or hanging out afterwards and just talking, connecting with each other, connecting with God, with each other, and with a world in need of God's love. Um, that's been one of the most fun things about being your pastor is seeing the ways that you have cared about people outside of just yourself. From the time we started this church, and that's partly why we put community in the name, Living Hope Community Church, is not just because we want there to be a sense of community among those of us who call this church our home, but because we're here for the community. And you guys have done an excellent job of that. Uh, whether that's caring for our neighbors who live in low-income housing, or whether it's caring for neighbors who have no housing at all and who need some. Um, back, I was just at a meeting this last week. Um, it was a, a lunch thing for all these churches that are involved in the rotating men's overnight shelter. And uh, the person, uh, Pastor Mario Bustos, uh, helped get that thing started along with a bunch of us in the, the Valparaiso Christian Ministerial Association. We're talking years ago, I think he said 2005, which means 17 years, but uh, I might be getting that wrong. But um, <clears throat> What I do know is it was before we had our own church building because you as a church were involved from the very start of that thing. We didn't have a building where we could put guys you know, on the floor and give them a place to sleep. And so you said, well, but we can provide volunteers. And so once a month, we would go to First Presbyterian Church. They had space, but they didn't have quite enough volunteers. And so once a month, you staffed it. We staffed it. We would show up with food. We would show up and help set up all the mats and all the, all the bedding and all the stuff. And we would stay up all night and supervise, make sure everything went smoothly. And in the morning, we'd see them off with breakfast and clean up everything. You guys did that. You didn't have a building. You didn't have a, a floor to offer, but you had yourselves and you gave yourselves. And you've continued to be involved. For years, we were a part of the women's rotating shelter that went from church to church until that uh, got <laughs> absorbed into another organization here in town. And so then you started getting involved with Family Promise. And now this summer, we've had the guys here on Tuesday nights. And, and uh, there have been so many different ways you guys have reached out in love to our community. Uh, just to the place of welcoming whoever walks through these doors. Uh, we've had numerous people that have that have told me and told others that they felt welcome here that did not feel welcome in other churches. Uh, that for whatever reason, you know, when they walked in, somebody looked at them funny, right? Uh, and you guys don't do that. People walk in and you, you walk up to them and you introduce yourself and you ask them how they're doing and, and, you know, you make people feel welcome like they belong here. Because they do, just as much as I do or you do. So thank you for being that kind of church that, that is built on helping make these connections happen trying to help people connect with the God who made them, who loves them, um, trying to help people get connected with each other and connecting with a world full of needs. And I just named a couple of the ways that you guys have been super involved. I didn't mention, you know, those of you who've uh, run the marathon or done the 6K and done the things with World Vision to provide clean water or donating to the Women's Center or bringing in bras for Free the Girls or um, all the different groups that we help support and are a part of and volunteering with the, or bringing food for the downtown food pantry or you guys are a, a church that truly seems to care. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, it's been a fun 22 years. I don't, I don't know that I'll get 22 more. I do the math real quick. I probably won't make it 22 more. But, uh, but however long I get to be pastor here, um, it's fun. And I enjoy getting to, be, getting to be a part of what is, God is doing here in the world. And, um, 
And so hopefully, as we go on to whatever God has us doing the rest of this week, we can see ourselves as, as bridges, as priests, as people who, um, well, how do they say it, a royal priesthood Jesus style or something like that is I think the phrase that happened in the video that I hadn't caught before just now watching it with you, uh, that we do this thing the way Jesus did. Uh, Jesus ultimately is our great high priest. That's how the book of Hebrews puts it in what I've got in your notes there. Hebrews chapter 4 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we find ourselves needing God's mercy because we've blown it, when we find ourselves needing God's grace because we don't have the resources in ourselves to to say no to that temptation or to say yes to that opportunity to, to love or to serve, we can come confidently to God's throne of grace because of Jesus. We can find forgiveness for our sins. We can find a fresh start, a new life. We can find the the supernatural strength of God's Holy Spirit to help us to to love whoever it is he's calling us to love. And so we get to do the thing. I I just included a couple of passages that they referred to in the video. Hebrews 13, where it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let's continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. This is a Jesus-style priesthood. The sacrifices aren't some fancy thing that happens in a building. Uh, the, the, the sacrifices are doing good, sharing with others. These are the sacrifices that please God. Romans chapter 12, uh, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Remember, we are... Foreigners, strangers, you know, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. So then you'll know what God wants you to do. Then you'll have his wisdom, his guidance. You won't just be following the pattern of everyone else. You'll be following God, the God who made you and loves you. The God has called you into his service as his priests, as his bridges, helping others to know his grace and love helping to be a, <clears throat> the people who will walk into a fractured society and, and heal some wounds and, and pull people back together, who, who will help your friends, your family, to, to see those folks who are different than them in a, in a new light as people loved by God, just like God has loved us. Man, I am so glad for the people in my life. Think for a minute about the people who have been a bridge for you those people who have helped connect you to a caring community, those people who have helped connect you with a God who loves you, those people who went out of their way, who served you, who made those sacrifices so that you could know that there's a God who is with you, who loves you, those people who exhibited the kindness, the patience, the goodness of God in your life. And that's why you're here today. We have the opportunity to turn around, to pay that forward, to go and to be a bridge, just like they were for you. We get to do that for someone else. That's who we are as a church Not just this church, as the church. It's who we are as God's people. Royal priesthood. Priests representing King Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray before we celebrate communion and remember his amazing love for us. God, thank you. 
thank you again for those who have been bridges, been priests in our lives, who have helped us to experience your love, who have shown it to us in simple, practical ways, through the ways that they loved us, through the ways that they cared about us, the ways they gave their time, their resources, their energy, their compassion. God, we are grateful for the work you do through your kids, through your people. And God, we are grateful that when ordinary, messed up sinners like us finally get it through our thick heads that you love us, that you're not counting our sins against us, when we finally grasp this message of reconciliation, that we can be reconciled to you, we can be reconnected to you, that we don't have to try to do life on our own, but we can connect with the, the source of life, the source of hope, the source of love. God, when we finally turn to you and admit our failures, admit our sins, you do not condemn us, but you forgive us. You redeem us. You restore us. You, you, you pick us up. You put us on a good path forward, led by your Holy Spirit, empowered by, by your Holy Spirit to live this new life. Thank you, God, that we get to be a part of the work you are doing in the world that we get to be the ones that you reach out through so that others can know that they're loved by you. It's been exciting to see the ways you have done that through this church body. It's been exciting to hear the stories of the ways you do that through the individuals who make up this church. God, I look forward to, to hearing more and more stories in the years to come as you continue your good work and we continue to partner with you in it. Thank you, God, that today... We get to celebrate this amazing love that you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, in this sacrament of Holy Communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering that you did, you did come to us right here, right where we live. You didn't keep your distance and just shout to us from the sky, God, but you came in the person of your son, Jesus, to experience, to take on our brokenness, to take on the powers of the devil, to take our sin on yourself so that by your death and resurrection, you could defeat the powers of sin, death, and the devil and set us free so that we could share in your victory and in your life. We offer to you these simple gifts of bread and juice. Thank you, God, that we get to meet our Savior here in this sacrament. We offer you ourselves, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence in our lives that we might, that we might be changed, that we might be transformed, that we might live in this world as the, as the body of Christ, as the people of God, as your sons and daughters, continuing your work, letting your Spirit move us, letting your grace flow through us, learning to live in a way that reflects the amazing love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Amen. Uh, the musicians are going to come and, and lead us in one last song, the, the High Saw family plus Dave. And uh, so they're going to lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with this basket of bread and this cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, we've got the regular bread and the little gluten-free wafers, or we've got the little individual cups if you want to take one of those back to your seat, or if you don't want to join the procession for some reason, but you do want to celebrate today, we've got those little cups on your tables, and you can, you can grab one of those and, and get to the bread and get to the juice and celebrate as we sing. Uh, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today, all of us who are hungry for his grace, who are grateful for the love that King Jesus has shown to each and every one of us. So let's celebrate. Let's give him thanks. forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again I'm forgiven because you were forsaken you are condemned I'm alive and well Your spirit is within me Because you died and rose again Amazing love, how can it be That you, my King, would die for me die for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us with that extraordinary love. 
Would you please fill us with that love? Fill us with the spirit of Christ today so that we might truly love you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, so that we might love our neighbors as ourselves, so that we might go into this world that you, where you have sent us, into all the different worlds you sent us into this week, the families, the neighborhoods, the workplaces, the schools, so that we can go wherever you send us this week and represent you well and serve as that bridge so that people can know they are loved by you, so people can experience your grace in us. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.